Hey guys, and welcome to episode 248 of Ready Yeti's Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabona, and today we have Compo Design's founder, John Neff. Compo Designs is a brand new company pioneering a completely new camping tent design. The Escape M4 is a tent that has a fully adjustable canopy that could be as opened or closed as you want it to be. It initially got its start with Rue Hartwell, a huge outdoor enthusiast who actually created the first iteration of their Escape M4 tent. The entire story behind it is really cool. I don't want to spoil it. I feel like John does a great job of laying it out. I mean, he, he's been in the driver's seat, right? What's really cool about this entire design of this idea is that it, it really does make a tent just wildly more useful. I mean, think about all the time it actually takes to set up a tent and then you're either in or you're out. Well, this, you can enjoy it even when you don't want to be so secluded from nature. It just opens up so many possibilities to enjoy having a tent and getting the most out of it without feeling like you're setting it up solely to sleep in it. In this episode of Built on Passion, John shares how the Escape M4 was developed, what his journey's been like through building the brand, and how he worked together with his user base to make the best possible tent. Compo Designs is an extremely new company, but I'm really excited to hear about all the other things that they have in the pipeline. The Escape M4 tent is really just the beginning, and even with that alone, they're starting off super strong. That's enough for me. Without further ado, I give you Compo Designs founder, John Neff. planting rue is planting his his lifelong passion uh is to plant 10 million trees um and so he's got a an operation a nonprofit in kenya um and so he's planted two million trees so with every tent that we sell um for the early birds we're going to plant 100 trees um on their behalf we're going to give them a certificate uh gps coordinates so that they can actually see what's going on with those trees uh, but not only is it a tree planting project, but it's it's um, all about empowering and benefiting the people in these villages, the women in particular, um, who do most of the work, uh, you know, in these Kenyan villages. And so um, that's kind of the social give back that we're doing with this. And so, uh, whoa, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I can give you um, Rue's website is I think it's Carbon Link, but I can pull that for you. Uh, sure. And yeah, I mean, what he's doing is it's really incredible. I mean, the man's just, he's one of like those really fantastic people in the world. Um, and so, you know, I think that uh, worth mentioning for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it's, I didn't realize the whole GPS coordinate thing was a part of it. I really like that. Yeah. So it actually, you know, see, right. This thing that they've, that they've, they've donated to uh, the help. Right. Yeah. I also, I, lo- I love the fact that Rue is like committed to specifically planting a million trees. 10 million. <laughs> 10 million, 10 million. Oh my yeah, God. He's, he's planted 2 million. Yeah. I mean, he actually started another business. It's, um, he's got a store in Wales and basically people donate all of their, their home furniture. It could be anything, home furnishings. It could be the other day I saw somebody donated like a little, um, uh, handicap, like a scooter? A wheelchair, but a scooter. Yeah. Yeah. And so what he does is, is the way that everything gets priced is there's no price on it. It's basically you're planting 200 trees for this purchase and each tree costs X number. And then that's the value. And so he, he's, I mean, he's ranking, he's going to open up a second store uh, and he takes zero money, you know, where a lot of nonprofits are like, well, I'm going to pay myself first. It's like, no, I take no so, I mean, and basically he told me his store, I talked to him this morning. He said, my store is so full that I have to like, I have to get a second store because they're, they're taking in so many donations and people love it. He's like, they're just blown away when they're, they realize they're buying this thing by they're planting trees by buying this. Thing. And, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. So that is amazing. Oh my God. I'm, I'm interested to see where that, uh, where that go? I mean, it's already, if he has to get a second store, that's, it's already heading in that direction. I know. I told him, I was like, man, I should start one in Seattle, like a franchise. He's like, mate, don't go to Mexico, start the store. Uh, 
but yeah, it, it's just a cool thing. And, and, you know, I think this day and age, people are so tuned into like the world needs help. And I think more and more people realize like, you know, we can't rely on, it doesn't matter what country you're talking about. You cannot rely on a government to like help people that other people just don't care. About, right. And so it's like, you know, you, you find a way to do it and, and there's cool people out there that'll help you. And, and, uh, that's kind of a neat thing about this day. And age. That's like the one really thing happening in my opinion, like these days, right. It's like, People are rolling their sleeves up and like they're, you know, doing the work. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's freaking amazing. John, thanks for joining me today. Yeah. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Right on. So to start off, who is John Neff? John Neff. Um, <laughs> grew up in Seattle, Washington. Um, and for the last 20 years, I've been in the outdoor industry. Um, had my first brand uh, for about 17 years and ended up selling that. And um, I am a father of two, got two little boys. Uh, we're in Seattle, Washington currently, and we are moving to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico in just about 30 days. That's, that's where I'm at these days. I know we were like, just like a moment ago talking about it, but like, really like the more I always thought like, oh yeah, mountains, I'll be there for the rest of my life. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? Water sounds nice. Water and warmth. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely more of a uh, beach versus mountain person. Yeah. Uh, I love the mountains. Um, it's, it's such a big part of uh, the business I've been doing for, for 20 years. Um, but at this point, you know, we're looking for some really nice weather. Uh, and we've got some family down there as well. And so giving our kids the opportunity to live abroad um, for a year or, or maybe more is, is something we're excited yeah, about. Yeah, that, that all sounds incredible. We are here today to talk about Compo Designs. For the listener who's unfamiliar, what is Compo Design? Yeah, Compo Designs is a uh, business that my wife and I started. Um, it was really born out of, um, we, we found a product that um, a guy tried to bring to market. Uh, Mr. Rue Hartwell. And um, Rue was looking for investors at the time. And so I happen to be in Europe. He, he lives in Wales in the UK. And I happen to be over in Spain. And uh, we met in Spain. And, um, you know, when we saw his product, we were blown away. We were like, wow, we've never seen anything like this. And he was having some, some troubles, um, you know, admittedly not a businessman, um, but a, definitely a, a, an amazing inventor. And so, uh, when I met up with him, as soon as I saw the the tent, is is our first product that we're launching, uh, the Escape M4. Um, I just knew I had to be a part of it, and and he's such a great guy as well. But I was like, man, you know, we became friends right away, um, and just sort of set off on this this path together, trying to um, to bring this tent to market. And so Rue had gotten into a really really great place, um, especially because he'd never been to China or Vietnam or really to any of the the manufacturing facilities. And so um, having been in the outdoor industry for the last 20 years, you know, I knew I felt like it needed to, to have um, some iterative changes made um, and just kind of the design was amazing, but really just finished the product. And so uh, Rue and I went back and forth to China and to Vietnam a couple times together. Um, you know, I asked him to stay on board, even though we bought the idea and and his original brand was which was Mollusk Tents. Um, and so uh, essentially just merged the two companies together and, and kept him on board. Um, and so over the last couple of years, really three years, we've been working to uh, perfect this thing. And so we felt like we were there last year and then the pandemic happened. And so, um, you know, in spite of the fact that the outdoor industry is, has really thrived, I mean, across the board, um, we just weren't sure what it was going to look like. And so we didn't, we just didn't want to risk you know, going into a crowdfunding campaign at that point in time. Um, and it allowed us, you know, another year to really um, even hone in on some of the changes a little bit more. Uh, and so I think that's kind of a cool thing that we've, a, a place we've gotten to really is that, you know, this isn't, um, this isn't like a halfway down the, the line sort of um, launch. This is really like a, a well-tested, uh, very well-designed and produced product. And so you know, what we'll be delivering isn't kind of like V1, it's, it's like V10, really. Uh, and so we're, we're excited about that. And um, Compo is really, you know, our, our, our vision for the brand is uh, to build world-class 
premium gear um, in a direct-to-consumer model, which allows us to um, get a better price point along the way, right? So we're not selling it through distribution. And, and not to say we won't, but um, we just love the direct-to-consumer model. And, um, you know, we think it allows so much more creativity, right? So we can, anything we dream up and, and we want to try and put to market, uh, we don't have to go through that traditional um, kind of through the buyer model, right? We can just, you know, we we can pull our consumers, we can talk to them directly, we can get their input and feedback. And, and you know, when they're telling us that they want us to launch, um, you know, some cool new product, we can we can really do that. So that's, it's pretty exciting. It gives us a lot of freedom and flexibility as a brand goes. First of all, to, you know, kind of lay it out, um, the Escape M4, for anyone listening, it's a dome-shaped tent that essentially has uh, like a, a accordion-like enclosure so you can kind of set it to different opening levels of openness, I guess, right? Right. That's right. Yep. And so if you can picture that, because I mean, it kind of introduces just the idea of a tent in a completely new way, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, again, back to Rue. So Rue was at the Glastonbury Festival uh, in the UK. And, you know, he'd been he'd been doing the festival thing for a couple of days and he was, you know, he was exhausted. It was hot. He woke up in the morning and he was just thinking to himself, like how miserable he was being in his tent. And he thought, you know, if I could just open this thing up and get some ventilation, right, and just look out at the sky, I would be in such a better place. And so he set off on on really that dream and and that design. And so that's that's the really special thing about it. I mean, it's got a handful of really excellent features, but you know, the fact that you can open and close the tent makes it amazing. If so, if you're at the beach, you know, it's a beautiful day, and you just kind of have your little base camp tent. You've got your cooler inside. It's got a little bit of shade. Um, you know, it's fully open, you're sunbathing, you're hanging out, uh, you know, you're being social and, you know, as the day goes on and you start to get a little sunburn, if you need to get that protection, you can, you can incrementally close the tent. Um, and then again, open it back up at sunset. Right. So, uh, all the way to being fully buttoned up, zipped shut, it's bug proof, waterproof, you know, and at that point you can camp in it. Um, and of course you could camp in it with the top open as well, but um, you know, people like a little bit of security and it feels a little safer, I think, when you're fully enclosed inside of a tent. And, and I think another great way to use it, and, and we've used it, is, you know, when you have little kids and you're at the beach or or even just camping um, and you want to give them that sun protection when you're out there, you know, the parents don't have to leave. Uh, you know, the kids can be inside. They can be playing in the sand or just like hanging out, taking a nap, you know, and you can you can protect them from the sun. So that's a that's another great way to use it. Um, and I think really lastly, you know, speaking from personal experience, a lot of my friends, you know, a lot of people that don't camp a lot, you know, they, they typically feel like they make this investment for this thing that they use, you know, once a year or, or twice a year, and then it gets bundled up and it, it goes in the back of the bag. Um, and so we really like the idea that this, it's, it's um, got so many different unique ways to use it. You know, if you're at a festival in the park or you're just listening to some music. Um, we've had tons of people that are, are stargazers um, that love the idea of, of being able to have this, this place where they can, they can shoot from. Um, and then, of course, at night, they don't have to leave. They can just, you know, get inside and, and hang out. And so, yeah, it's, got, it's, it's super versatile. So that's, that's kind of like the, the, the why of the tent and where it all came from. It, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of the perfect thing where, you know, setting up a tent, it's not like it takes all day necessarily. But it's kind of like a you know pain in the ass. Right. So and and then when you actually have a I'm talking speaking of a traditional tent, when you actually have like a tent, you're basically in or you're out. At least with this, you know whether you actually are going to, you know, want that like full level of enclosure, you're still gonna get some use of it. So setting it up will be worth it. Which yeah, is absolutely. kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not take that letting the heat out, letting that, let's face it, if you've been camping for a few days, tents don't smell that great, right? So you can just <laughs> up and it's just like, yeah, it's, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's it. When you were initially kind of describing the story too, you, you mentioned um, that, you know, this is taking a, an idea, you know, a tent, how you use a tent, something that hasn't really been 
I mean, there's different designs and different, you know, shapes or whatever, but like, this is kind of on a different level. Like it, you know, it's introducing a different design altogether. One thing I've, I've kind of noticed across the board is in the past couple of years, we're starting to see people look at things that haven't really changed that much in a long time. Like maybe the material change, but like people are really starting to restructure things. This is like a complete restructure of a tent in its own category. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and really, you know, one of the things that there's so many people that make tents, right? I mean, there's, there's two person, four person, 10 person, there's all these different um, kind of size evolutions really is, is I think where the focus has been and certainly in materials going super light, um, you know, all the way to like big giant car camping tents. Uh, and for, I think really to make a mark in, in this space, um, you have to be different and not just on a price point level or a color or, um, you know, a weight factor. Um, and so that's what was so exciting to me when, when I first learned of it and, and got involved with it was that, I mean, this is true innovation. This is like, comes from a really beautiful place from a design standpoint. And so anytime anybody sees it, they're just like, whoa, did you just close your tent and then open it back up? That's amazing. Like my tent won't do that. And so, you know, that, that gives us quite a bit of pride really to be, you know, to have this PR baby. So, yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting that no one uh, it's, it almost seems so obvious, you know, like no one thought of something like this before, but you guys actually figured out the way to make it work. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. I mean, we, we sort of looked at some other technology um, really to, I think, get to the final, the place where we're at now. Um, but it's not, it's, it seems so simple, but it was, it's really quite a difficult thing to manufacture. Um, you know, the shapes and the panels and things like that, you know, there are added costs. You know, most tents have three or four poles. Ours has seven. Um, you know, the size of it alone, uh, we've talked to a lot of people like, hey, can you make it a little smaller, a little lighter? You know, the reality is it's a car camping and a family camping beach tent and camping, right? So it's not for, you know, trekking up the mountain for 10,000 feet. Um, but because of some of those things, we put it into a, um, like a really uh, heavy, durable rucksack, right? So that if you are hiking down to the beach or, you know, you are going a little ways, you can, you can put it on your back and carry it in. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the design is, it's, it's a lot more than it seems to be. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it definitely took some time. I mean, I, I think all great design takes time, you know, this is kind of common misconception where people are like, oh, you know, I've got this cool idea and I'm just going to, you know, put it together and it'll be ready in 60 days. Do you see people talk about that on Kickstarter or other crowdfunding, uh, platforms? And, you know, the reality is nothing happens in, in 60 days. And so, uh, I mean, 60 days turns into six months, turns into like two years. Right. And so, and I mean, that, that's the thing though, like the, you, you, you mentioned it, um, you know, I mean, you, you just said it like there, there, there is a use case for this. You you are fixing, filling in a gap and that's the remarkable thing. And that's like the thing that really like a, gr a great idea, it could be great, but if it's, if no one's asking for it. It's not going to go anywhere. This is the, that type of thing where I would want, there are situations where I would really want a tent, right? But you know, you're in the tent and then you're cut off from everyone else who's like doing whatever. And especially right. like during the day, like a tent is great for, you know, a classic tent is great for sleeping and, you know, containing yourself. But what about just as a shelter, this kind of opens that up without keeping a separate out, outside and inside kind of become synonymous, but they don't have to be so seamless. Right. which is to me, that's like, this is great. Like you can kind of have it all. Yeah. And that's where we came up with our slogan, which is open up your world. Um, I love it. Know, and it's, it's partly because of the tent. And it's also because we were, you know, we were really frustrated. Obviously everybody's been frustrated during the pandemic and it's like, man, it's like people could just get it, get a tent and like go camping. And the, of course the numbers have supported the outdoor industry in a big way because people realized, Hey, you know, I can be socially distanced from other people in the mountains and I can still live my life and I can, you know, family can be there. Um, it's kind of funny too. We always joke about, uh, you hit it on the head really like the social aspect of this tent, right? So you're hanging out with your friends. It's open. You're not closed off from everybody. You know, we, we kind of, uh, compare it like the bedroom, which is where you go to sleep to the kitchen, which is where everybody hangs out 
you know, at a party, right? And so uh, when we were coming up with names for it, one of the names we were jokingly going to call it was the kitchen, right? And <laughs> it's because that's the place where everybody yeah. uh, meets and, and, and socializes. And so that's kind of a, a neat aspect of the tent that it, it does allow that because um, you're just sitting there hanging out. You can look at the fire. You, other people can be in their chairs, you know, and it, you're not sheltered from the other people that are there. So, yeah, that's, man, I love that. Did, did you come from a product design background or is this just like, oh, I have this, like, I get this. Like when you, when you got involved, what was going through your mind? What was the jumping off point for you to say, yes, this is it. Let's do it. Yeah. So no, I mean, not a product development um, background per se. I mean, I'm more of a sales and marketing um, kind of person. Um, I've always loved good design. Uh, you know, I owned a, another business for, we had mentioned 17 years and, and we designed all of our own products, um, mainly because we couldn't afford to pay anybody for a long time to design <laughs> products for us. Um, and, you know, we just had good ideas and we were out there using our, our, our brand's products all the time. And, you know, I think that's like a really important thing for people to do, right? It's like, you know, good ideas don't just come typically from not having some sort of idea or understanding of, of, um, whatever it is that you're focusing on, right? It's like computer programmers are the guys that come up with like really killer software. Um, and so being in the outdoor space and, and playing with the products all the time, you know, definitely have that background. Um, when I, when I saw the tent, um, and how it functioned, I just knew that I hadn't seen this kind of level of innovation, um, in the tent space. I mean, there are tents that, that, blow up these days, right? There's like air tents and there's tents that you can extend and they go taller and, and things like that. Um, but I had never really seen anything like this. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was instant for me. I mean, you know, standing on the side of the mountain in Spain with, with Rue and, you know, he puts this thing up and open and closed it. And he's like, what do you think? And I was like, I'm in. And he's like, well, that was easy. Um, you know, I need more of you. Uh, and, and it's just because I, I knew that it's something that and we could build a brand behind and you know that's kind of the 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 ethos of the brand right it's like okay so we've got this tent and what else do we need to enjoy this experience right and so that's how we'll develop products moving forward um it's like the tent is sort of your base camp and then what other kinds of things do you need to really just have the the ultimate recreational experience right whether you're you're at the beach or you're at a campground or you are, you're in the park listening to some music or at a festival. And so that's how we'll build out the brand. That's super interesting. I, I didn't even think about that um, in terms of like, I like that the idea of the escape M4 being the base camp. I mean, for what it seems like it's trying to be, it's trying to completely nail that social camping experience. Right. I mean, not every tent wants, uh, wants to, or not every camper wants to have this super wilderness feel. You know, there's plenty of car camping type of things. You're you're just getting into the uh, crowdfunding now. Yeah. So, well, we were we were originally going to kick off this month, but um, there's quite a few supply chain issues around the world right now, um, and of course with COVID uh, and us moving and a lot of a lot of things going on, and so uh, we're going to push it back to July. Uh, and one of the reasons is we won't be able to deliver this tent this year. Um, it's just, it's literally impossible. I mean, people are putting in orders for late 2022 already. Um, so we've got our place in line with our factory. Um, but I think, you know, launching it in July, uh, it, it'll give people, you know, a, a less time to wait um, as opposed to going earlier and waiting longer. I mean, the reality is we'll deliver these in spring 22. Um, because there's nothing we can do about that. There's literally nothing. And so, um, yeah, that, I mean, that might set you up in the best way possible, um, for as far as like the world opening up and people being able to, you know, really be thinking about, okay, like, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? At least I'd hope. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, there's been so many bad experiences for people where, uh, they've been overpromised and underdelivered. Um, you know, and having having owned my own businesses for a number of years now, uh, you know, I pride myself on customer service and and doing what we say and you know saying what we do and doing what we say, right? And so, um, being able to deliver on time is really important to us. And so, I think people would have that 
hey, if I order this in April, can I get it for Christmas? And the answer is no way. Not this year. So we don't want to leave people hanging. That, I mean, luckily that's been across the, I mean, every, every person I talk to, especially in the sports industry, one way or the other, that's been this consensus. I mean, biking alone has been a nightmare. The, the cycling industry altogether has gotten so overloaded camping, especially as well. Cause those are the two, I feel like things that people have been really getting into. Um, and it's just at this point, it's kind of like part of the expectation. Yeah, what I understand, I mean, you you know, retailers can't get their hands on bikes until like late next year. I mean, there's just oh, yeah. not enough output in terms of uh, production. It's just impossible. Yeah, that's wild. For the the crowdfunding piece of it, how did you get feedback on the on the the ten? I mean, you mentioned that you, um, I guess, um, Compo Designs exists in this realm where it's you know you, always looking for feedback, always looking for um, some kind of evaluation, and that, that's always the best too because then you know exactly what people are looking for. How did you, I guess, get that out there to kind of get feedback and work it into uh, the the design process? Yeah, so. I think most of our feedback has come from, you know, because we didn't have the patent for until a couple months ago. So, you know, we, we kept it under wraps to a certain degree. We'd share with friends and family and, and you know, people that, that uh, like to get out there and, and camp and whatnot. And so we were, we were definitely getting that feedback. Um, really kind of learning where and what people's initial reaction and concerns would be and kind of questions like, hey, is this thing bug proof? I see that it's open. Like, how do I, how do I sleep in this thing overnight? Right. And so we really kind of focused on that from a marketing message standpoint and helping people to understand that when you close it, you zip it, you're fully, you're fully enclosed. Right. I mean, it's just like any other end at that point in that it's, it's closed up. Um, so I think learning, and, and that's super important when, for anybody that has a business, you know, you have to, you have to be willing to listen to what people tell you good or bad right uh, hopefully it's constructive criticism and and not just somebody barking at you something that you know their opinion um but even that it's it's worthwhile to listen to you know sometimes you have to hide that comment on social it's <laughs> like so nasty about something you're just like okay i don't think anybody really wants to read this but you know the best feedback and, and i think the most fun feedback that we get is we've put out uh, um uh, polls on colorway, right? Like what color do you want to see this thing in? And we just get huge engagement when we do that. And, and it, it's so important to people. Like you'd think that you just go to the store and you buy a, you know, back in the day, right? When I was growing up, you know, you go buy whatever tents on the shelf because there was one color tent. And now it's like, there's tents with prints on them. And, um, you know, there's neon greens and all these different colors. And so by asking our following, uh, what they like. I mean, it gives us such a good idea of, of what, what people like. And so I think that's, that's really fun for us is to um, put that creative control in the, in the hands of our consumers and our followers. And, you know, it's like, we don't know. I mean, we, you know, I like what I like, but that doesn't mean you're going to like what I like. And so um, it's a lot of fun to get that, that feedback. Yeah, I I love that. I I mean, you get it too. Yeah, as much as um, you know, you're starting a company and you're getting behind something that you really care. As much as that becomes an extension of yourself, at the end of the day, it's always kind of got to be for other people. Because um, I mean, without people, without buy-in, like where are you where are you going to take it? Yeah, my backyard. Yeah, which would still be great because at least it can adjust the levels of you know sun exposure. Um, I I'm really interested. I mean. It, even what you said about, you know, nailing this design, uh, this really unique design, filling, um, I guess, a void that, you know, other tents haven't really been able to do. It'll be interesting to see how this uh, tent that can kind of be an open hub for a campsite, how you can kind of fill and be like, okay, like what else can we turn into like more of an expansive thing? So it's not just the self-contained um you know piece of i guess camping furniture gear like i what comes to mind for me just off the bat is you, you mentioned kitchen and more and more people are getting into cooking obviously with this so like i'm wondering like could there be like can you like turn into uh your campsite and have like a kitchen section 
more robust thing like that. It's it's interesting to see how that can kind of develop. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any like anything in mind that you're like, okay, I think this is the direction that we would want to take, uh, like the next step. Is there like a next beyond the uh, Escape M4? Yeah, so we've got um, a series of um, of coolers in the hopper. Um, you know, again, like I, I'm a huge fan of of being able to use a product for more than one application. I see so much more value in that, and so. We've got a, a backpack cooler um, that I travel with all the time. And it's funny, too, because people see that we did a photo shoot down in Mexico. Recently. Mm-hmm. Um, people see the 10. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, I've, I, I would totally buy one of these. And then, you know, I get the cooler out and reach in there and, you know, get some water or juice or whatever out of there. And they're like, well, what's up with this thing? You know, and so we know, like, and it, again, it's like talking to people and asking them, you know, do you kind of like, do you like this idea of having this, this one brand that can bring you all of these really kind of critical things? And we won't be, we can't be all things to everybody, but we can, you know, we really want to be like best in class when we launch a product. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we understand Yeti's there and and Hydro Flask is there and and some of these guys, but um, our designs are, are, they're not based on, you know, what a designer thinks are, is cool necessarily they're based on like actual real real world scenarios where we've used products and we're like yeah that thing's super cool but we're kind of thinking if we did it this way like that might be more appealing to people and here's why right and so then when we when we develop based on that um we're just getting a lot lot of like holy cow like wow that thing's so sick i'd buy that for sure um yeah, so that's kind of that's what's next. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's it's really looking at uh, other things that just complement the tent, right? Um, you know, I'll give you an example. So, like, if we ever did a speaker, um, which we may do, we wouldn't do, we wouldn't go super uh, super deep. We would just kind of like do a broad stroke, right? And be like, this thing works really well in in our world with what we're doing. Um, you know, again, because we're not putting it into retail distribution where it's expected, like, you know, if you're selling to REI, you can't just sell them traditionally one product, right? You need to have a line of products. You need to have different colors and sizes and shapes and levels of output and things like that. And so when you're going direct to the consumer, you know, if you're putting your best foot forward and just saying, hey, we made this speaker, it's epic. It works super well. It hangs here. It clips on this. It does that with the, the products that we offer. Um, you know, all the feedback that we've received has been, has been super powerful kind of following that path. Has there been any, um, kind of roadblocks, speed bumps and trying to get, um, has it been easily graspable? It seems like a kind of thing where you look at it and be like, oh, I get this. Like, this just makes sense to me. What has it been like finding the audience for Compa Designs? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always roadblocks, um, (laughs) for sure. There's always naysayers, you know, I'm, I'm pretty surprised, honestly, that people are willing to say what they're willing to say sometimes on social media. You oh, know? People just want to be contrary. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, you gotta, and I'm not saying respect for us, but you gotta, you gotta respect people that are launching brands and products and things like that. And it's like, you know, you may not like it. Um, but if you don't like it, I think you just, you know, you just go follow someone else or somewhere else. Right. Um, yeah. I, our tent is not the most inexpensive on the market um, at full MSRP. Of course, you know, when we, when we kick off the crowdfunding, we're going to, we're going to give the best prices that we can really just to compel people to, to help support it. Um, so you, you hear that a little bit. Uh, the other thing is too, is, you know, a lot of people don't really differentiate. It's like, if you're a hardcore backpacker, right. You know, you're cutting into your toothbrush off, you know, you're starving yourself to get to the top of whatever mountain. Uh, and I respect that. I've done it. Uh, my wife won't do that with me ever. Again. She's not into that anymore. Um, you know, we're more like car camping meets glamping meets like, you know, let's be comfortable. Um, and so, you, you know, you kind of get that, that attitude every now and then, like, you know, this thing's so heavy and like, I would never buy a tent that heavy. And it's like, you know, we totally get that, you know, I mean, we're telling you who we are. You just have to either listen and or read um, because we're not hiding anything. You know, we really do want people 
Um, to be super satisfied, you know, we stand behind our products. It'll have a warranty, obviously, a uh, nice warranty with it. Um, and so, yeah, there's the, I think, you know, we just, we just learn to uh, be respectful of their opinion. And really part of that is too, because this is just one product we're launching, right? And so we want people to, to know us as a brand and like us as a brand, and then hopefully stick around and, and you know, look at the, the next thing that we put out there the market and and so it's like all right if they don't buy the tent that's cool but maybe they'll want to buy you know the next two or three things down the line and and they'll see the value in those products as well it it always amazes me when people look at something that they don't like or that like doesn't work for them individually and they're just like i hate it it's awful it's the worst thing ever where they're just like they, they won't even be willing to be like all right like i kind of get this like i don't want it but like i can see how this would be like the perfect thing for like this scenario, like stargazing or like a festival or like something like that in this specific case. That's, I mean, something that I've always felt really passionate about is that, um, you know, there's not, there's a rare case where you'll find something that is just inherently terrible. Like something is always like, someone's always looking for that thing. Like who, I don't know how people can uh, look at something and then decide for everyone that you can't like that. That drives me crazy. I said, to me, it's like a minivan, right? Like, oh, yeah. I want a minivan. I don't want to ride in a minivan. But I get it. I understand why people want minivans. And, you know, the doors open sideways. And they've got TVs in them. And the kids are happy. Uh, but not my, not my style. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It comes back to, like, where something like um, uh, Compo Designs, I feel like that, again, I said it before, it fills that, that use case, that thing that, someone's looking for because there hasn't really been much of anything that could be a lean to or a 10 all in one. Um, what was the hardest part about, I guess, um, developing the product, um, or marketing it really just building compo designs. What was the, the, the biggest challenge for you? Um, I think, you know, with the product itself, it's, again, it looks pretty simple, but there's, there's a couple really key components that are in fact, moving parts. Um, and so, you know, you, you, uh, decrease a little bit of fabric and material here. Um, and then all of a sudden it, it dimples up in the middle. Right. And there's, so these like little subtle design tweaks, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's expensive, right? I mean, so especially these days, I mean, the prices are astronomical to get a sample made. It's like three X retail price. And so, um, and, and it takes time. Right. And so you hope the factory pays attention. You hope that their, their best team is working on it for you and, and you get it and you're like, dang, it's like, it's not right. Right. And so it's, it's this combination of time, money, uh, and then of course, staying focused, right. There's, there's long gaps in between. It's like, okay, well, get a shift from the product into the marketing, uh, into the social, right? And so like making sure we're talking to people and making sure we're, we're ironing out these messages. Um, and then finally money, right? I mean, like bootstrapping a, a business uh, is expensive. Um, and, you know, there's, you're look, kind of looking at your runway, right? And it's like, how much time do we have? How much money do we have? And, you know, when these little hiccups and roadblocks happen, you know, how much passion do we have? Right. And so, um, for us, the passion's never been a question and, and, um, we've, you know, this is, this is important to us. I mean, we've, we've definitely invested a lot of money, a lot of time. Um, but there's, you know, we really believe in this product and the brand, um, you know, the brand's doing some great things socially as well. And so, so we just want to make sure that message, you know, we, we got it got to get it to market right and so you know when you have those dang what if moments you know you just have to be honest with each other and and you know it's kind of like when you're having a bad day right and then you talk to somebody about it and your day is not so bad anymore and so it's kind of like that same i think process when you're when you're launching a company because there are there are more bad days than good i'm telling you right (laughs) you know that's just a reality um and you know that you guys are launching you know with with ready yeti i'm sure you've had some dang, I should have stayed in college or should have done this. Or, you know, you have those moments and then you're like, no, you know, you got to stay the course. So. Yeah. It's, it's been, we, 
we really hit our groove. Um, I mean, we, we've been doing this since around 2015. Um, and we, a lot of stuff has changed, but we really just got back to the, the core, like the things that worked. Um, that, that was, that's been, I guess the easiest thing it's the, um, I was just talking about this with, a with a friend earlier, but it's, it's the willingness to, to stick it out that really sets apart a, you know, successful brand to an unsuccessful brand. I mean, you'll, if you are passionate about something, you will find a way to make it work. And if you care about something, especially when it's like product driven and it's something that appeals to you, there's other people just like you looking for the, that exact same thing. And it's just a matter of finding them with something like this. I guess it's just like a matter of eyes, um, trying to like find, you know, be seen, which can be a challenge in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, when, when Rue did, so he, he previously crowdfunded it, um, unsuccessfully slash unsuccessfully. Uh, it's an interesting story, but, um, the first tent and, and we have the patent and the design on this one as well has a full, like a proper door, like a, you know, door to your house. It's that big. It's like 15 feet tall in the middle. Um, and so it's got some really neat applications from like a greenhouse to, um, I mean, we've had the military reach out to us just for different kinds of, you know, field shelters and things like that. Um, and it, it basically was picked. So, you know, Rue hadn't put any money into the campaign. He just didn't know. And he, he was just kind of doing it on his own. And then toward the very end of it, he basically threw a couple hundred dollars in advertising toward it. And it went crazy. Like it was picked up by major media outlets across the world. And so, you know, we know, we know those eyes are there. Um, but you're right. You, I mean, you definitely need to find the right people. And um, I think working with, with Ready Yeti, working with um, other brands and doing collabs, things like that, and, and you know, finding that kind of mutual commonality and common ground. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are looking, you know, for things like this. I think if you're in the super, you know, like the really niche space of like backpacking, ultralight backpacking, you know, it's a lot harder, right? I mean, you really have to find those people that are, that are, you know, mar- you know, marathon runners and long distance hikers and things like that. And for us, it's like, Hey, you like to go out and have fun and, you know, uh, sit around a campfire, then you're, you're probably going to like what we have to offer. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a pretty big following out there. Yeah. Luckily for the space you operate in, it is like pure joy and fun. The ultralight crowd can be, uh, it can be mean. Right. I've seen the comments on the, they, they are ruthless, especially when it comes to like just a fun idea. Um, they'll they'll look for something wrong with it and you know i mean i and i think it's because like they take what they do so seriously because you have to. oh yeah and so they become like really like high levels of, of gearheads right and they just you know like if your backpacking stove doesn't light when you're when you're backpacking well you're not going to eat right and so they become very meticulous and very you know they get it. They know how to make this stuff work. And I think, you know, most people that are going camping are just like, Hey, I just want to be able to pull my cooler and, you know, listen to music and like drink some beers with my friends and, you know, relax and have fun. And so, um, two different worlds for sure. I, and I think they're, they're both great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting how, um, I mean, I'm like looking at both like the, the two different buckets, like how, how you, the different lens that, the different lenses you adopt depending on where you're coming from. It's, it's interesting mm-hmm. when it comes to, um, I mean, through building compo designs, um, what was some of the biggest mistakes that you've made? I think probably, you know, you get really excited, right? I mean, so two years ago on social media, we were telling people, Hey, we're here comes a crowdfunding campaign, you know, just like trying to get people fired up about it. And then, you know, well, it's not actually going to happen this year. Sorry. Uh, and, you know, I think that um, the boy who cried wolf, right? It's like, you don't mean to do it, but as a brand, you're, you know, it means so much to you and, you, and you're trying to get people excited about it. And so you kind of like pump fake and then you go silent for a while on social media because, you know, you're like, dang, I mean, that, like, we we're too early, you know? And so I think that whole um, process is one thing. Um, 
you know, assuming it's going to be easy, you know, just because, um, you know, I've got previous experience in the outdoor industry. I've had other brands and, you know, it's always that idea. It's like, oh, this is going to be super easy. We're going to be able to get a great team together right away. We're going to, you know, all these different things. And, you know, again, it's, it's hard. And so uh, I think those are a couple of the, the things that, that front of mind for me. Um, yeah. That's probably the two that I can think of like right away that stick out. Those are, those are pretty good ones. Like those are I, even hearing you talk about them. It sounds like you're like, you know, you, you know what you're up against, you know how to, to, to stay nimble. Um, especially like, I mean, I mean, even with COVID, you kind of know what you're going to get because shipping and, you know, sourcing material, stuff like that just becomes a nightmare. As, as far as hardships can go with starting a business, it seems like you've really like handled things pretty well, which is remarkable. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, and, and I've been lucky enough too, that I've had, uh, and, and you know, it's interesting. I read an article about this recently, but you know, founders giving advice to other people, you know, and it used to be this old idea that you quit your job, you sold everything and you just like starved yourself. Right. And, and I think the new world, you don't have to do that anymore. Like, in fact, you know, I, I do a bunch of mentoring and, and work in the veteran community and, and I'm talking to like young entrepreneurs and I discourage people to do that. It's like, keep your job. If you're passionate about this thing and you really want to make it work, what you need to do is create more time for yourself. Meaning, you know, at eight o'clock when your friends go out on a Friday night and COVID's helped a lot of people with this because there's nowhere to go. Uh, you know, you focus on your business and, and you work on your business and you keep making money. There's no reason you should put your family um, in a bad position or yourself in a bad position. I mean, I've, I've literally known a couple of entrepreneurs who have lived out of their cars and it's like, man, if you would have just kept your job that you, you know, was paying for your apartment and all of that. Uh, and they made it by the way, but I think that's probably not the ideal way to go about it. You know, it's like, keep your job, take as much time as you can to work on your, your idea. If you are passionate about it, then Saturday morning, you're going to find that time to, to work on it. And Sunday night, late at night, we always have our team meeting on Sunday nights because I've got people that work around the world. Um, and it's nine o'clock on a Sunday night. And it's not always that fun, to be honest with you. It's like, oh man, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed. Uh, but it's Monday morning in New Zealand. It's Monday morning in Asia. And, you know, time to go to work. So it's finding that perfect balance. And I mean, you're right. Like what, there's no reason to self-sabotage, yeah. um, you know, and there, there is, it's good to be passionate about an idea. It's good to be all in. It's good to, you know, make it work however you can, but life is about a lot of things and it doesn't need to, you know, be dependent on this one thing. I mean, you know, you got to take care of yourself. For sure. I mean, if you've got the ability to like, just work on your idea hundred percent of the time and, and you know, your, your quality of life and your family's quality of life doesn't, doesn't uh, suffer, then I, that's fantastic. And those are the lucky 1% of, of people that have maybe already made it to a certain degree in life. And, you know, they've got a, they've got enough uh, in the bank that they can just kind of cruise and, and work on their idea full time. That's amazing. Um, but everybody else is, you know, it's kind of like a side hustle until it, until it starts paying you. And then you can sort of wean off of, that thing that doesn't give you the same amount of passion and joy. And uh, I think that's important. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it looks like we have time for one more question. What advice would you give someone who wanted to start a business, um, develop a product, launch a product um, just in the outdoor space? Yeah. Um, well, there's a bunch. Um, I think that, you know, be prepared for for hardships, um, but don't let it stop you. Um, I think we just touched on a very important one, right? I mean, making sure you're, you're taken care of and your family's taken care of and, you know, carving out that, that spare time really to, um, uh, get your idea going, um, until it's paying you. Um, uh, I don't like, you know, I did it early on just sort of this, this floundering entrepreneur, but fortunately it was a lot of fun. And I was in a position where it, I, I, you know, I could just kind of make it happen at the same time. Um, I think make sure you know your product, get out there and use it. Right. Um, 
be an expert, um, be a shameless self-promoter. You have to. And, and fortunately, these days, there's so many ways to do it, right? Whether it's a podcast or um, a YouTube channel or uh, you know, any number of things, right? Just going to um, clubs and things like that and being willing to talk about your product. Um, you know, you hear it a lot of times that people are, are nervous to tell people about their idea and they want an NDA and, and things like that. You know, it, the, the way that a product goes to market and a brand is successful is through execution and passion, right? And so uh, it, this, it's not like Facebook, right, where one guy steals from the other guys and, you know, the Facebook story or whatever. It doesn't happen very often. And so I think, you know, shout it from the, the, the rooftop and tell people and, and be willing to listen to that feedback because it is important. And people will tell you, uh, and, and a lot of people will try and dissuade you and, and give you so much bad feedback for whatever reason, they don't necessarily want you to do it. And I think you have to be able to, to decipher what's good and, and bad feedback, but you've, you have to be willing to listen. Oh yeah. And openness too. I mean, it all goes with it. That's a hundred percent. John, thank you so much for coming on for the listener who wants to find out more about compo designs, uh, maybe get in early. Uh, where's the best place for them to head? You bet. So uh, follow us on social media. We're most active on uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, at Compo Designs. And of course, on our website, CompoDesigns.com. Awesome. John, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.